This recording is intended to be used as an educational resource for healthcare providers. It is in no way a substitute for the independent decision making and judgment of a qualified healthcare professional. It should not be used to make a diagnosis or to overrule the advice of a qualified healthcare provider, nor should it be used to provide advice for emergency medical treatment. Rwandan National Neonatal Protocol Stabilization of the High Risk Newborn by Dr. Hover Saimana. Hello, I'm Dr. Hover Saimana. I'm so excited to present to you this chapter on stabilization of the high risk newborn. By the end of this chapter, participants will be able to define and identify which newborns should be labeled as high risk. Describe the key areas of assessment to be considered in the initial assessment of a high risk newborn. Define the goal temperature in a newborn and identify free methods used to treat hypothermia. Identify prenatal risk factor for infections in newborn. Introduction First, it is important to identify which newborn should be considered a high risk. Before delivery, you should ask yourself what risk factor do you think make a newborn at risk for needing neonatal resuscitation. Those risk factors include preterm newborns, meconium stained amniotic fluids, concern for maternal infection, or other obstetric concerns at delivery like prolonged labor, placenta abruption, shoulder dystocia, fetal distress, or hemorrhage. It is critical to prepare the resuscitation area materials and equipment before the delivery. Newborn who are considered high risk require prompt assessment, stabilization, and resuscitation. Any delay in assessment or treatment may result in acute deterioration. After delivery, when a newborn is being admitted, prompt initial assessment of key risk is essential. All newborns should have temperature, vital signs, weight, and gestation age documented by a nurse within 30 minutes of admission. They should be examined by a doctor to have orders written as soon as possible. The following is a list of terms to understand when working in neonatology. Gestation age is the time from last menstrual period to birth. Chronical age is age since birth. Postmenstrual age is gestation age plus chronological age. Term gestation age is at least 37 weeks. Preterm gestation is less than 37 weeks. Very preterm is defined as less than 43 weeks. Low birth weight is defined as less than 2,500 grams. Very low birth weight is considered less than 1,500 grams. And the last, extremely low birth weight 
is less than 1,000 grams. Newborns can be low birth weight due to prematurity or due to being small for gestation age or both. Low birth weight newborn are at increased risk for respiratory distress, apnea, bradycardia, hypothermia, panted ductus arteriosus, sepsis, hypoglycemia, feeding intolerance, and hyperbilirubinemia. There are two ways to calculate a baby's gestation age. The first is to determine the due date by the last menstrual period. To do this, add one week to the last menstrual period, then subtract three months. If the LMOP is unknown, the Ballard score can be used to determine gestation age. Come on, let us practice. Beatrice baby was born on February 2nd, 2018. She tells you that her last menstrual period began on May 19, 2017. What is her expected due date? Anyone who can guess? Let us work together. Add seven days to the 19th gives you the 26th. Then count backwards three months for, from May, April, March, February. So her due date was February 26, which is 40 weeks gestation age. Since February 2nd is 24 days or three weeks and three days early, we needed to subtract that from 40 weeks giving her a gestation age for six weeks and four days. Initial assessment. Thermoregulation. To assess thermoregulation, an axillary temperature should be taken within 30 minutes of admission. A normal temperature is between 36.5 degrees Celsius and 37.5 degrees Celsius. A newborn axillary temperature of less than 36 is considered hypothermic. If a newborn is hypothermic, you need to both decrease source of heat loss and begin warming procedures, including kangarumadakeya or use of an incubator, radiant warmer, or warming lamp. Be sure to avoid hypothermia as well, especially if there was a risk of birth asphyxia, as it can exacerbate brain injury. The respiratory assessment includes both a performing a physical exam and monitoring vital signs. Assess for grunting, flaring, detraction, tachypnea, cyanosis in the physical exam. Major oxygen saturation immediately on admission with a goal saturation of greater than 90%. If an oxygen saturation monitor is not available, 
Check newborn tongue color for cyanosis. Count the newborn's respiratory rate. A normal rate is between 30 and 6 breaths per minute. The physical exam and vital signs can help categorize the severity of respiratory distress. Made respiratory distress is characterized by minimal grunting, flaring, retractions, a respiratory rate between 50 and 70 breaths per minute, and an oxygen saturation of greater than 90%. Moderate to severe respiratory distress is characterized by moderate to severe grunting. Remember that the grunting is abnormal voice where the newborn are trying to create the end positive pressure inside the alveoli to keep them open. Flaring, retractions, as well as respiratory rate greater than 70 breaths per minute and an oxygen saturation of less than 90%. Keep in mind that these categories are guidelines rather than rules. Newborn may sometimes have a mixed picture. While severe distress is relatively easy to identify, mild distress can often go undetected. This can be especially problematic in preterm or low birth weight infant who require immediate management of even mild distress. Respiratory treatment should be started immediately after the identification of distress. Treatment includes nasocanula oxygen, methylxanthine therapy, and continuous positive airway pressure (CPAP) if available. All newborns less than 1.5 kg or less than 33 weeks gestation should be treated with caffeine or aminophilin. Desert treatment methods will be reviewed in great details. Cardiovascular system. For the cardiovascular system. Cardiovascular assessment, heart rate, perfusion, and blood pressure should be assessed. If tachycardia is observed when assessing heart rate, Consider hypertermia, infection, anemia, or their cardiac condition. If bradycardia is observed, consider hypothermia, respiratory failure, infection, or their cardiac condition. Poor perfusion or hypotension is a concern in the setting of prolonged capillary refill of more than 3 seconds or a history of suspected blood loss or sepsis. In that case, consider administering a 10 ml per kg IV bolus of normal saline up to three times. Measure hemoglobin levels to assess whether a blood transfusion may be necessary. Newborn blood pressure should be monitored on admission provided the equipment of the correct size blood pressure cuff is available. For a full-term newborn, typical systolic blood pressure is between 65 and 100 mm of mercury, and a typical diastolic range is 55 to 70 mm of mercury. 
Newborn blood pressure is often assessed as mean arterial blood pressure or MAP, which is an average pressure over the anterior cardiac cycle. This is measured by a BP machine. A goal MAP minimum value is the newborn postmenstrual age in weeks plus five. Therefore, a MAP value of less than newborn's menstrual age in weeks plus five is considered to represent hypotension. Let us practice. You are carrying a two weeks old, fat two weeks gestation infant. Her map is fatty. Is she hypotensive? Who can guess the answer? I think the correct answer is yes. Her postmenstrual age is fat two weeks gestation age plus two weeks chronological age, which is equal to fat four weeks postmenstrual age. Her goal map is fat four plus five equal to fat nine. Therefore, she is hypotensive because her map is only fatty. Newborn must also be evaluated regarding their fluid and nutrition status to determine an appropriate IV fluid or feeding plan. An infant should be started on IV fluid if his body weight is less than 1.5 kg or if he is experiencing cardiorespiratory instability, asphyxia or moderate to severe respiratory distress. In this case, the infant should not receive arthral feedings. Petam infant should receive G10% at a rate of 80 mils per kg a day. Full-term infant and infant at risk for cerebral edema should receive G10% at 60 mils per kg a day. It is important to assess for hypoglycemia in newborns. If possible, measure glucose levels for all newborns admitted to the neonatal unit. For high-risk infants, including those who have a diabetic mother, are large for the gestation age, low birth weight, preterm, septic or hypothermic, or appearing ill, obtain blood glucose within the first hour of life. Symptoms of hypoglycemia include jitterness, lethargy, inability to breastfeed, and seizures. If you are unable to measure glucose, assess hypoglycemia based on the presence of these symptoms. A goal blood glucose is greater than 45 mg per deciliter or 2.5 millimoles per liter. Treat hypoglycemic infant according to the hypoglycemia protocol. Hyperbilirubinemia. To assess for hyperbilirubinemia, measure a newborn's serum bilirubin. Send these laboratory tests on all newborns with visible jaundice on day of birth and all newborns with clinical jaundice involving more than face and chest. If no serum bilirubin is available, 
Consider that clinical jaundice typically begins in the face and the eyes and then progress down to the body to the feet. Babies with jaundice below the chest should be started on phototherapy. Severe hyperbilirubinemia can lead to kinetic tellers, a permanent and severe brain injury. Therefore, treatment of jaundice is highly important. When assessing newborns for infectious disease, the first concern is to recognize and treat those who are at risk for prenatal bacterial infection. There are several methods that can be used to assess the risk for infection. Prenatal risk factors include a maternal fever of greater than 48 degrees Celsius during labor or within 24 hours of delivery, maternal urinary tract infection during pregnancy, membrane rupture greater than 18 hours prior to delivery, uterine tenderness or full smelling amniotic fluids, meconium stained amniotic fluids, obstetric diagnosis of chorioamnionitis, need for resuscitation at birth, invasive procedures, or home delivery. When looking for infection with a physical exam, check for lethargy or irritability, hypertension or poor perfusion, temperature instability, respiratory distress, abdominal distension, full fontanel, and splenomegaly. Laboratory testing for infection includes the FBC, CLP, and blood culture if available. The white blood cells is concerning if less than 5,000 or greater than 20,000. If they are above 70% granulocyte, the CRP is concerning if it is positive, means above 1 mg per deciliter. CRP is less accurate when assessed at above. Ideally, it should be taken at 6 to 12 hours of life. Consider adding a chest X-ray to your infection evaluation if the newborn has respiratory distress. Administer antibiotics as soon as possible if there was any concern of sepsis. Usually start with apicillin and gentamicin. The next infectious disease consideration is the prevention of vertical HIV transmission. Send a maternal HIV serological test if one has not yet been sent. If a newborn is exposed to HIV, confirm what EMTCT therapy the mother has received. Give the newborn antiretroviral prophylaxis per the national protocol. It is crucial to assess for hypoxic ischemic encephalopathy or HIE in newborns because a detection and a treatment can improve prognosis. Signs of HIE include a need for resuscitation, an apgar score of less than 5 at 5 minutes, no cry by 5 minutes of life, 
or an abnormal neurological examination. To treat HIE, start supplement oxygen if saturation is less than 90%. The baby should not be fed if he has respiratory distress or apnea, seizures, or severe encephalopathy, defined as comatose or flaccid. She should be started on IV fluids, G10%, at 60 ml per kg a day. Assess and normalize glucose and electrolyte in the infant. Monitor and treat any seizures. Be sure to maintain normal temperature as patients with HIE are at risk for temperature instability. Use caution with external heat source to avoid both hypothermia or hyperthermia. Even for babies who do not have HIE, it is important to vigilantly monitor for seizures in newborns, as neonatal seizures can be subtle compared to those in older patients. Determine the etiology, considering HIE, hypoglycemia, electrolyte imbalance, and meningitis. Phenobarbital can be used to treat seizures and should be administered slowly over at least 10 minutes to prevent apnea. Phenantoin can be used if a second agent is needed. Treat the underlying etiology as well, such as hypoglycemia, electrolyte imbalance, or infection. Monitor the infant for respiratory depression or apnea due to both the seizures themselves and anticonvulsant therapy. Case study. To practice the content from this chapter, we will review a case study about a patient named Nina. Nina was born this morning at 42 weeks, weighing 1,400 grams at birth. She is otherwise clinically stable. What are your immediate concerns? Nina was born prematurely and is a low birth weight infant. She is therefore at risk for a respiratory distress, apnea, bradycardia, patent ductus arteriosus, sepsis, hypoglycemia, fluids, and nutrition. Nina has no respiratory distress so far. Start aminophilin. If sepsis is possible, send FBC, CRP, and do bradycardia if possible and start a course of the antibiotics. In this case, ampicillin and gentamicin would be appropriate. Check blood sugar. Given her degree of prematurity, she should not be fed yet. Instead, IV fluids of G10 should be started at 80 ml per kg a day. Check Nina's temperature to be sure that it is between 36.5 and 37.5 degrees Celsius. If she is hypothermic, start Kangaroo Dakeya if her respiratory status is still stable. Otherwise, use warming lights. You examine Nina 
when she's five days old and find that she's jaundiced. You do not have a way to measure serum mobility being. What is the best way to assess if Nina's degree of jaundice is serious? The most accurate way to assess for serious jaundice is to examine the palms and sores. You look at Nina's palms and sores and see that they are jaundice. What do you do? You start phototherapy immediately. Let us go to the next case. Our next case study is Joshua's, who was born at 41 weeks gestation age after prolonged labor. He required resuscitation at birth and was assigned the APGAR score of 2 at 1 minute, 4 at 5 minutes, and 7 at 10 minutes. He is now 1 hour old, has mild respiratory distress with a respiratory rate of 70 and oxygen saturation of 88% in the lower tone. What are your immediate concerns? What is your management plan? You obtain Joshua's perinatal history and identify risk factor for hypoxic ischemic encephalopathy and possible sepsis. Take his vital signs including temperature and performing a physical exam with a focus on neurological and respiratory status. Start nasocanular oxygen, send FBC and CRP and blood culture if is possible, and start antibiotics, specifically ampicillin and gentamicin. Check Joshua's blood sugar and start IV fluids. Use a G10% at 60 ml per kg a day because Joshua is at risk for cerebral edema. Avoid hyperthermia, which can cause further brain injury. Monitor for seizures and if you observe any, start treatment with phenobarbital. Sometimes, a patient needs a transfer to high level of care. It is important to stabilize the patient to the best of your ability prior to and during the transport. For thermal regression, have a parent or other family members provide kangaroo mother care during the transport. Provide oxygen to the newborn during transports if he is experiencing respiratory distress or hypoxia. Check his blood sugar and treat hypo hypoglycemia prior to transport. If the newborn is on IV fluids, administer normosaline 10 ml per kg fluids bolus prior to transport and discontinue during ambulance transport to avoid fluid administration error. If an infection is suspected, give the first dose of antibiotics prior to transport. Make sure to discuss the clinical course and the reasons for transfer with the receiving facility before transfer. Record the relevant antepartum and delivery, postnatal history and pre-transfer treatment in the transfer note. A nurse should accompany the newborn and continue cross-monitoring during transport.
A parent or caregiver should also accompany the newborn during transport whenever possible. The ambulance should have emergency equipment per standards at all times, including a bag of correct size masks, oxygen, nasal cannula, pass oximeter, IV fluids, catheter, and emergency medication such as adrenaline. Summary Now that you have completed this chapter, you should be able to Define and identify which newborn should be labeled as high risk. Describe the key area of assessment to be considered in the initial assessment of a high risk newborn. Define the good temperature in a newborn and identify three methods used to treat hypothermia. Identify prenatal risk factors for infection in a newborn. Keep in mind in there's a key point on stabilization. Newborns that are considered high risk require prompt assessment and stabilization. High risk newborns should be assessed for thermoregulation, respiratory, cardiovascular, fluid and nutrition, infectious disease, hyperbilibinemia, and neurology. Axillary temperature should be measured immediately on admission Normal temperature is 36.5 to 47.5 degrees Celsius. Hypothermic newborn should be treated with kangaroo mother care, an incubator radiant warmer, or a warming ramp. Thank you so much for following this presentation. This recording is a production of Open Pediatrics, a free and open access resource for pediatric clinicians worldwide. For more pediatric care materials or to join our global community, please visit our website at openpediatrics.org.